Chapter 22 of Concise Commentary on the Book of Matthew. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA. Concise Commentary on the Book of Matthew by Matthew Henry. Chapter 22. Chapter Outline The Parable of the Marriage Feast, verses 1 through 14. The Pharisees question Jesus as to the tribute, 15 through 22. The question of the Sadducees as to the resurrection, 23 to 33. The substance of the commandments, 34 through 40. Jesus questions the Pharisees. 41 through 46 verses 1 through 14 the provision made for perishing souls in the gospel is represented by a royal feast made by a king with eastern liberality on the marriage of his son our merciful god has not only provided food but a royal feast for the perishing souls of his rebellious creatures there is enough and to spare of everything that can add to our present comfort and everlasting happiness in the salvation of his son jesus christ the guests first invited were the jews when the prophets of the old testament prevailed not nor john the baptist nor christ himself who told them the kingdom of god was at hand the apostles and ministers of the gospel were sent after christ's resurrection to tell them that it was come and to persuade them to accept the offer the reason why sinners came not to christ and salvation by him is not because they cannot but because they will not making light of christ and of the great salvation wrought by him is the damning sin of the world they were careless multitudes perish for ever through mere carelessness who show no direct aversion but are careless as to their souls also the business and profit of worldly employments hinder many in closing with the saviour both farmers and merchants must be diligent but whatever we have in the world in our hands our care must be to keep it out of our hearts lest it come between us and christ the utter ruin coming upon the jewish church and nation is here represented persecution of christ's faithful ministers fills up the measure of guilt of any people the offer of christ and salvation to the gentiles was not expected it was such a surprise as it would be to wayfaring men to be invited to a royal wedding feast the design of the gospel is to gather souls to christ all the children of god scattered abroad john ten sixteen eleven fifty two the case of hypocrites is represented by the guests that had not on a wedding garment it concerns all to prepare for the scrutiny and those and those only who put on the lord jesus who have a christian temper of mind who live by faith in christ and to whom he is all in all have the wedding garment the imputed righteousness of christ and the sanctification of the spirit are both alike necessary no man has the wedding garment by nature 
or can form it for himself. The day is coming when hypocrites will be called to account for all their presumptuous intruding into gospel ordinances and usurpation of gospel privileges. Take him away. Those that walk unworthy of Christianity forfeit all the happiness they presumptuously claimed. Our Savior here passes out of the parable into that which it teaches. Hypocrites go by the light of the gospel itself down to utter darkness. Many are called to the wedding feast, that is, to salvation, but few have the wedding garment, the righteousness of Christ, the sanctification of the Spirit. Then let us examine ourselves whether we are in the faith and seek to be approved by the king. Verses 15 through 22. The Pharisees sent their disciples with the Herodians, a party among the Jews, who were for full subjection to the Roman emperor. Though opposed to each other, they joined against Christ. What they said of Christ was right. Whether they knew it or not, blessed be God, we know it. Jesus Christ was a faithful teacher and a bold reprover. Christ saw their wickedness. Whatever mask the hypocrite puts on, our Lord Jesus sees through it. Christ did not interpose as a judge in matters of this nature, for his kingdom is not of this world, but he enjoins peaceable subjection to the powers that be. His adversaries were reproved, and his disciples were taught that the Christian religion is no enemy to civil government. Christ is, and will be, the wonder, not only of his friends, but of his enemies. They admire his wisdom, but will not be guided by it, his power, but will not submit to it. Verses 23 through 33 The doctrines of Christ displeased the infidel Sadducees as well as the Pharisees and Herodians. He carried the great truths of the resurrection and a future state further than they had yet been revealed. There is no arguing from the state of things in this world as to what will take place hereafter. Let truth be set in a clear light, and it appears in full strength. Having thus silenced them, our Lord proceeded to show the truth of the doctrine of the resurrection from the books of Moses. God declared to Moses that he was the God of the patriarchs who had died long before. This shows that they were then in a state of being, capable of enjoying his favor, and proves that the doctrine of the resurrection is clearly taught in the Old Testament as well as in the New. But this doctrine was kept for a more full revelation after the resurrection of Christ, who was the first fruits of them that slept. All errors arise from not knowing the scriptures and the power of God. In this world, death takes away one after another, and so ends all earthly hopes, joys, sorrows, and connections. How wretched are those who look for nothing better beyond the grave. Verses 34 through 40 An interpreter of the law asked our Lord a question to try not so much his knowledge as his judgment. The love of God is the first and great commandment, and the sum of all the commands of the first table. Our love of God must be sincere not in word and tongue only. All our love is too little to bestow upon him. Therefore all the powers of the soul must be engaged for him 
and carried out toward him. To love our neighbors ourselves is the second great commandment. There is a self-love which is corrupt, and the root of the greatest sins, and it must be put off and mortified. But there is a self-love which is the rule of the greatest duty. We must have a due concern for the welfare of our own souls and bodies, and we must love our neighbor as truly and sincerely as we love ourselves. In many cases we must deny ourselves for the good of others. By these two commandments, let our hearts be formed as by a mold. Verses 41 through 46. When Christ baffled his enemies, he asked what thoughts they had of the promised Messiah. How he could be the son of David and yet his Lord. He quotes Psalm 110.1. If the Christ was to be a mere man, who would not exist till many ages after David's death, how could his forefather call him Lord? The Pharisees could not answer it, nor can any solve the difficulty except he allows the Messiah to be the Son of God, and David's Lord equally with the Father. He took upon him human nature, and so became God manifested in the flesh. In this sense he is the Son of Man and the Son of David. It behooves us above all things seriously to inquire. What think we of Christ? Is he altogether glorious in our eyes and precious to our hearts? May Christ be our joy, our confidence, our all. May we daily be made more like to him and more devoted to his service. End of chapter 22 Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas USA.